Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Best Behavior Creative Club. I am Chris McAdoo, uh, creative director here at Design Sensory, uh, and Best Behavior is a Design Sensory original production, and we are just super proud to uh, to bring you our guest today. His name is Josh Brandon, man of many talents, many careers, and um, a man that I could be uh, self-made and now determined to be more himself than ever. I'm also joined by Brad Carpenter. Hey, everybody. Marvel Comics fan extraordinaire. That's me. Um, but it is a pleasure to talk and introduce Josh to you guys. Um, Josh, uh, why don't you take a minute to introduce yourself um, and give a quick, uh, you know, quick history. Kind of where'd you come from um, and what do you do now and maybe a little bit of why. I got it. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come? It's fine. We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll get into that too. We'll work on the harmonies. We'll work on the harmonies later. I spent like 20 years in country radio, so that it it applies. We're going to talk country music, by the way. Oh, good. I can't really talk about much since I left, but we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into (laughs) it. Oh, he only likes 90s country music. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm good with 90s. 90s and and back. Yeah. 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 I like the gold country. So, uh, well, my name is Josh Brandon. Like you said, uh, I uh, own and operate uh, joshbrandonmedia.com which uh, is kind of a catch-all for all of the many freelance things that I do. Uh, I have uh, been a stand-up comedian, a radio announcer, uh, worked in the automotive industry. I still consult automotive dealerships. Uh, I just kind of found a little niche of of that business that I could master and and figure out, and I still generate income through that, Um, which is part of my uh, my overall brand that, you know, when I talk to people, is uh, you know following your dreams, setting goals, and and really just stepping away from the idea that you have to do everything the way you were told. Okay. And so I operate a blog called The Happy Hubby Homemaker, which talks about some of the challenges and some of the perks of being a work from home dad and the major support system of the family, the wife and kids. Uh, kind of talks about some of the role reversal. Um, I've got some of the blogs I pulled off. I'm fine-tuning. I'm going to turn into some audio stuff. But um, And so I talk about uh, being a voice actor and an actor as well. Um, So I've done uh, broadcasting (laughs) and voice work for 20 years. Um, I was a kid that I would watch the TV shows and the cartoons, and when I, I would incorporate those voices into my play, and so, you know, when it wasn't, you know, my, it wasn't anything for my dad to walk by and think I had a bunch of friends over. And, and that was just, that, that was it, you know. Some people call it schizophrenia. I call it just, you know. Making a living. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. One of the things that interests me, um, Josh, you grew up in a small town. Sure. And from what we have, uh, we've talked about. A couple of them, actually. You grew up in a couple small towns with what you consider... Um, small ideas. I would think so, yeah. Well, here's a thing that I always like to dig into is for creative people, um, regardless if you are visual, if you're a painter, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a musician, if you're a designer, if you're a comedian, there's a big difference in what drives you when you are 20 and 25 years old, you're full of piss and vinegar, mm-hmm. and you're there to take over the world. Exactly. Um, versus when you are 40 years old, 50, 60, you know, like... As you go through these stages in life where you, for instance, you know, the first, your first kids, your first, any of those kind of things, mm-hmm. and your, the reasons to do what you do change dramatically. Oh, yeah. And so coming from that small town with a small idea, you're an artsy kid, right? Like you're an, you're like, were you an artsy kid growing up? That's part one of the question. Yeah. And then part two is when do you feel like you realized that those ideas were small? When did you feel like you realized that you wanted to take a step away or beyond? You know, who knows what yeah. that looks like, but uh, for me, no, I was, I was, I don't think I was an art, artsy kid. I was artsy in my play, um, the it, which I think did more than anything to stimulate my uh, my imagination and my creativity, the storytelling in my right. head. When I would, um, I would always look for 
non-G.I. Joe figures that were close to the three and three-quarter scale right. that <laughs> could be other characters or the cheap ones that were at the dollar store that you could buy like 16 for $5. They broke, but that's fine. I had plenty of little rubber bands. I <laughs> made my own G.I. Joes, gentlemen. And so what I did was, you know, I, I read the comic books and I watched the cartoons. And they as campy as they were. But, oh, God, this is horrible. I hate to admit this because I don't, it, it's going to hurt. But... Probably the turning point of creativity for me in storytelling was staying with my grandmother, and I had all my G.I. Joes in her living room, right? And I uh, had the couch over here, which was, you know, the, the, the level scape, and it was like, and then you had over here the chair, and it was just set up for this, this base, and the dreadnoughts were over here, and da 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 Anyway, so I had it all, like, commandeered, except when 1 o'clock came. And that's when she came in wagging her arm and turned to my stories. And so that's when I had to play G.I. Joe's quietly huh. while my grandmother watched Days of Our Lives. Right. <laughs> and over the course of a summer, who knows what the hell my father was doing or where he was, but over the course of a summer, I've gone from uh, your normal average kid to uh, bawling my eyes out because Kayla got her speech and hearing back at the wedding just in time to marry Steve, Patch, and oh my God, it was so great. And and for me, it was the the the, the ridiculous, over the top storytelling. And Bo coming back from the wait, Bo was Bo was gone, and now Bo's coming back because Hope got kidnapped and dropped in a vat of acid. But dude, it it is so ridiculous. I mean, no. it's not that. Oh no, removed no. from comic books. Oh, it's not that removed mm. from real life, as it turns out. As I've grown up in my forties and looking at everybody's life, and I'm like. <laughs> Okay, well, that makes sense, you know. Uh, yeah, okay, well. All right, so Josh, you, you've you grown up. I'm so glad um, he's got a list of things. I'm go. oh no, I have a, I, I, you know, you've been on this side of it I before. Have, you I know have. you got a thing. Well, okay, so you grew up in Roan County. You went to ETSU mm -hmm. um, to for your, for your studies. I did. Uh, what did you eventually graduate with? A Bachelor's of Social Sciences. Okay. in mass communication with a minor in sociology and enough credits in theater to justify a minor. But in that school at the time, theater was part of the communications department. Yeah. So you couldn't double my, you know, you know, like it could in your own, yeah, in right, your own thing, you right, couldn't double so, dip. Yeah. So, but I just did so much theater there that I just racked up the credits and took yeah. the other eight <laughs> or four classes that, you know. Well, one of the things that I, I find interesting, particularly for your career trajectory is that you obviously had a penchant for performance. I mean, you know, and you and you sure. uh, you kind of found that early on. Um, what were some of your early experiences as a professional? Like you said, um, you were in radio for mm -hmm. nearly two decades. Yeah. Um, what were some of the things that when you got out and you are in that mode where um, you just want to create and you want to go tell the world about it and burn things down? What <laughs> were some of the um, experiences that got you in the door? Well, I, uh, I stepped away from a lot of stuff at different points in my life just because uh, I wanted to, um, I've never been afraid to reevaluate and reinvent. Just like with stand-up and you figure out that's not who you are and not what you want to be about, you know, and mm -hmm. if that's not what I want to be about, what do I have to say? What do I have to say and is it appropriate for a stand-up comedy audience? Right. Um, and I don't know that it is. Um, at this point, you know, just, but, but then I listen to stand up and stand up's very, the stand up I listen to today is very um, current, specific. And there's a lot of, I mean, because there's just a lot of material going on right now. Um, and I don't want to go the TikTok route of, you know, trying to be known for 12 seconds of, of asininity um, because I don't feel like it, I don't feel like it lasts. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's hard to fit that into something like if you're looking at authenticity, well, the authenticity is uh, how do you how do you be funny today? How do I be funny today? Radio was great. I had a good moment of radio when I was um, I was in school to be a high school history teacher. It was the thing that I wanted to do. Head of the class, man. And, um, uh, you know, all those TV shows. Welcome back, Cotter. And then I found myself in radio. I was asked to uh, 
we started a student newspaper at Roan State Community College, <laughs> and I didn't get food or entertainment, but they thrust sports on me because I was a man and I kind of liked sports ball. And then I became the PA announcer for the basketball teams at school, and so okay. then it kind of became natural that I would be the sports editor. Well, as a sports editor, when they started a communications class, broadcasting class, the teacher, I had her for English uh, the semester before, well, she asked me if I would, well, I wasn't in the class, but she asked me if I would do the sports casting part of their year-end hmm. review project because they didn't, there's a bunch of girls in the class, and they, you know, not being sexist, they just, that was what they told me. So, <clears throat> so I did it, but it was like, Sports Center back in the day, right? I was like 19 doing Sports Center stuff. And uh-huh. That's all I wanted to do because I watched Sports Center. I would watch it over and over and over. I found myself really enjoying going through the the footage and picking out the highlights and writing the script. And Did you say, boom, there goes dynamite or whatever. Oh yeah, boom, yeah. shakalaka or whatever. Yeah. But, it, but I mean, I'm telling you guys, let me tell you, <laughs> let me let me tell you what happened. Once upon a time, I kept all things on VHS that I've ever had. Okay. Yeah. And I got a VCR and a program that will rip that to digital. And I am only doing that so I can easily view and clip out anything that might not be horrible. There is, though, what might amount to a, a... uh, manifesto of sorts recorded in my basement. I recall I was just riffing stand-up material, but God, if anybody found that back in the day, I think I probably would have been on a watch list. Was just, because I was just riffing just material, and back then I, I was just unhinged, and I, I, you know, I was I was trying to be more out there than the people who are out there, you know, right. and trying to do stuff other people weren't doing yet. No, it it it, it will never see the light of day, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of that. But yeah, it's it, it's embarrassing how like I thought I was doing something great and listening to it now it's like and Carson gets to the eight eight ball with a three point line and uh, boom shakalaka he's you know and it's, yeah and there and it's just it's so not well, I think what you are, but what you're talking about there is the gift of hindsight. Uh-huh. And if you didn't have, here's here's the thing about. My dad would always say hindsight's fifty fifty. He's a wise man. You always get them just wrong. Just right. Just, just like ninety percent. Slicker in a witch's titty. What? What? Dad. <laughs> well, what you're looking at there, and what you're talking about is that that hindsight, like your dad would say, being fifty fifty. Um, but. I almost think that when you are young, it is a wonderful thing to to kind of, uh, I think, to succeed in this business. And when yeah. I say this business, I mean, like, it's creating stuff. Again, yeah. if it's comedy, if it's being a sportscaster, if it's being a personality, it's if content. it's being a, yeah. it's content. When you are out there and you are creating and you are trying to do something original, yeah. the first five, ten I don't know, maybe 20 years or whatever that you're doing, it's terrible. Oh, yeah. And you have, but it is your confidence and your willingness to push through. And like what you were saying here, reevaluate and mm-hmm. reinvent. I think so much of the time um, is when you do come to those periods of realization that you were like, man, that was a fun time. I'm going to watch this or I'm going to go back. I'm going to go look at that old, uh, for you visual artists out there, I'm going to go check out my old portfolio pieces or, mm. or anything like that. And the things that you felt that no one in the history of earth had ever done before. And you're like, this is brilliant. Yeah. I can't believe I'm not already on the cover of any magazine. And then you're like, oh no. Oh yeah. Oh, and then you think about the things that you said to people. Now I want you to imagine <laughs> an entire career of those moments. <laughs> and they continue, it continues to, to this, this day. day. I don't have to imagine. That's my whole life. So this is, okay, so this is a good, right? That's my whole life. Just ask anybody here. So, alarm, bam, and it starts. Well, let me t- let's, let's talk about that for a yeah. second, because with all of your different like interests and focuses and, and, and all that, and all like well-known voiceover work, um, all of that, one of the best things that a creative person can bring to the table is that sense of discomfort, mm-hmm. is that sense of, um, which sometimes flies in the face of say, quote unquote sales. Oh yeah. If, if that makes sense. And, it, it, and, and so as a creative person, as a creative thinker, 
right? As a creative mm-hmm. professional, um, one of your most valuable contributions is to make that mess, mm-hmm. is to bring that thing to the table that nobody's thought of yet yeah. that causes that pause, mm-hmm. that causes that reflection, that causes that, oh, I've never thought about that in this way before, mm-hmm. right? And so how do you, I mean, like as a freelancer in particularly, when you are, you know, sort of the the chief cook, bottle washer, you know. Literally. Literally. Um, as a, and as the stay-at-home, you know, yeah. a, a stay-at-home dad, how do you keep that energy up? How do you keep that focus on making that true um giving yourself a true creative voice that mm-hmm. then gives yourself a true creative value and it lends value to the people that you work with. It is true. Um, I, when I stepped away from, from a job, and listen, I miss it. I miss, I miss working. I've, I've sometimes I'll toy with it and I'll go and I'll see if there's anything out there that, that fits my skills. Um, but that's what I found. You know, when I left radio, I wanted to leave radio before, but I had looked for a job for a long time in my mid-30s. And, you know, I mean, ad agencies, PR, marketing, and you know the marketing jobs I found? Straight commission sales. And <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I say this um, because I know a lot of people out there today are uh, uh, where I was a few years ago. And they're feeling hopeless. They're feeling helpless. They're feeling like the rug's been pulled out from under them, and they're feeling like, like I did. Like this is the only thing I know how to do. And if if huh. if you're taking away my platform, well, how in the hell can I? What do I do now? Do I have an education? Maybe, but a lot of radio disc jockeys personalities don't, or if they do, it's something unrelated. But you better hope you got a fallback. And and thousands of people today, you know, don't. Hmm. They're in that position to, to ask that question that I had to ask. And for me, getting in the car business wasn't passion. It was, I always said, and I was repaid for my arrogance. Eh, this radio doesn't work. I'll just go sell cars. Anybody can sell cars. Hmm. Ah, yeah, right. You got it. No, it's hard. It's hard work. It's difficult. And it's not, uh, it's not easy. Now, I know a lot of people who, who could not, who struggled to, to really exist as adults who are successful car salesmen. Uh, but, but at the same time, they've got whatever spark it takes, you know, to, to, to make that. They're brilliant yeah. in, their, in their little field there. But for me, it was getting in the car business, and that facilitated getting home to work on what would eventually become Josh Brandon Media. So sort of establishing a establishing a foundation that didn't have to be your passion project, your all in mm-hmm. all. It was necessity. It was a it was a necessity and a yeah. means to an end. And and at the time I was going through the the custody thing and I'd moved back as a Hail Mary the the station I was telling you about uh, the the talk station mm-hmm. at at the end it culminated um I, I, ironically I wasn't let go for anything um on air, which sucked because I mean, I'd, I I got to interview Michelle Bachman live. <laughs> wow! And and let me tell you, that was a joy. Uh, I mistakenly thought she was a presidential candidate, but instead I realized she was just an author who was hawking a book at her books a million signing. Right. So I let her go on for her eight of nine minute interview mm-hmm. about her book, and then I got to close out with uh, Ms. Bachman one last question. How can you so vehemently oppose gay marriage, ma'am, when you are in one? <laughs> if you'll Google her husband, you'll know. Um, or just watch Modern Family. And that's not what got you canned. No! No! I don't know what it was. I was trying so hard. I had a, I had a contract, man. I had a contract. Fire me, I'll go home. Uh, no, in the end, they did, they let me go for uh, for something completely unrelated to anything in my job. I just happened to uh, I happened to know two other people involved in another workplace thing, and so I knew from both perspectives the actual story, which both collaborated, but did not necessarily mesh with the sales manager's nepotistic story. Didn't fit the narrative, right? And so uh, the entire programming m- bunch of us were. Yeah, yeah. So which oh, wow. is fine because it, it it 
I've been through a lot. Of, you know, when I go through, fill out an application and, and it's like, you know, have you ever been fired from a job? Well, yeah, that's media. Uh, yeah, yeah, most places, actually. <laughs> but really, think about it. Wait a second. Wait a but it's true. Um, there was one job that I wanted here in town. Uh, working for a guy who was who was my mentor, and I, I wanted to work with him more than anything. And it, it breaks my heart that we're both out of radio, and we never got to, to work together. But um, uh, Paul Orr was working at a station here in town, and he was uh, we had gotten to know each other in radio, and we just both you know we both really wanted to work together. Right. You know, we just very inspired. He always inspired me, and and I just we I, I love the guy to death. He's still around, but uh, he's he's not doing that. He um, he tried to bring me aboard, but I think that uh, I think some of my uh, shenanigans and tomfoolery, some of that struggle to be me mm-hmm. in, in somebody else's box, I think that kind of labeled me as a loose cannon, kind of a wild card. Um, I never had a problem finding jobs. I had a problem finding the job I wanted. Okay. And I was offered jobs. I was offered interviews. When I left radio, I had, I had uh, opportunities to to go any number of places. But I wanted to be in Knoxville. And I've I've come to terms as a person, as a radio personality. I've come to terms as a comedian, as a writer, as you know, almost to this point of a standstill, a creative standstill, where I, I stepped back for a while last year and looked around and said, "What what am I?" Who am I? There for a while, I was going through this this horrible custody battle. And so everybody on my social media was glued to the story. Hmm. Is he going to see his daughter this weekend? Does he get, does, is he going to get to Tennessee and, be, and, and, and you know, they're not going to be home and all this stuff. And, you know, when you're in radio, you're told, be personal, don't be private. Because when you're private, you make people uncomfortable. When I looked at you and said that my brother lost his battle and you both physically changed posture yeah. and you both physically, it, 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 it was different. Absolutely. Cause it's like, oh shit, this is, let's, let's hear what's happening. So, but the, the, the issue I had was for all these con, uh, consultants and non-programming managers that, that didn't understand creative, they understood sales mm-hmm. is that the things that have made me relevant and memorable in people's lives still to this day um, in those markets and those places where I did radio are the things where I've broken down and and crossed that barrier and and Hmm. maybe not been private. You know, nobody wants to know some things, but certainly you don't expect your radio station guy to come out of a Tim McGraw song and, you know, or, or, you know, I remember coming out of uh, Zach Brown Band's uh, uh, Highway 20 Ride one day. You know, you want to talk about a song that hit close to home. I couldn't play. I still can't listen to that song. Hmm. And I got my daughter most of the time. I can't, you know, she's, you know, but I, I still, it comes on and I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out because I was that guy. I was, I was crying the second she walked to the door, you know, and it's hard. It's hard when you talk about stuff like that because, because it makes people uncomfortable because people don't like to see people emotional you know it's raw but i i found a a lot of people like me men and women non-custodial parents who went through very similar things and 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 that's a that's one of those places where you know that's a voice for good that's a place where i can i can i fought a battle and i won the battle and i think that my entire life has been about having a battle to fight and fighting a battle and uh, and so I just set goals. I set those goals in those battles. And my current battle, um, after I decided to leave radio, was make it back to Tennessee and figure it out. And I, that working in the car business was it. I've tried to be the morale officer wherever I go, you know, because working in radio, everybody's underpaid and overworked. And so if it's fun, at least we can get through it with some laughs. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing that I've always been gifted with, it's eventually making someone laugh. I may take a few swings, but I'll get there. <laughs> um, and when I worked in the car business, it was the same way. And when I was struggling, I was walking through the lot, and I was talking to the, the manager, and you know, he knew me from radio. 
And the guy that trained me knew me from radio. Hmm. I produced their ads. So the guy that trained me, I cut his radio ads. I made him sound less like him and more like, you know, somebody that could talk to people. And he knew that. And so anytime he'd introduce me, that's how he would regard me. And I would say, no, 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 no. I don't do that anymore. I need to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't care that I'm a 10 over here. I'm a two over in your world. So I need you to teach me like a two and not regard me like a 10. And, uh, and it, 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 it was a struggle. But I was talking to my manager, and, and he still knew me from that radio world, but he knew, he knew that I was capable of, of, of more. But, you know, I'd asked him, I said, you know, I, I don't know why I'm struggling. And he said, well, are you having fun? And I said, well, yeah. Yeah, I have fun while I'm here. He's like, maybe try having a little less. Ugh. And I went, hmm, valid. Valid. Okay. That's valid, valid point. Try having a little less fun. And so I watched a guy uh, by the name of Sean Huff, um, who to this day is 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 a testament of of grit and uh, and work ethic. And Sean, by the looks of him, tall, slender fella, bald, glasses. We didn't think he was a, a tough fighter, but let me tell you something: that fellow was always on the phone. His time at work was selling cars, and if he wasn't selling a car, he was trying to get to the point where he could. And he had no need for the tomfoolery and shenanigans and the ha-has and the, you know, walk the lot with a group of, you know, five guys telling stories and jokes and waiting to seize the next, uh, you know, desperate person looking for, you know, another $700 car payment. It's, you know, yeah. So I just scaled back, started having less fun, watched him, came in early, left late, worked internet leads, learned how to sell cars to internet shoppers. And that was the part of the business that I eventually just nailed. And so I just, I worked on that. So what I do is I write, uh, I, I write car descriptions for their website, but I also write um, email templates, follow-up templates and stuff mm. for their sales staff, uh, workflows that tell them how to follow up and what schedule, because if I'm going to put my information with you, there's a, a very fine line of catching me, calling me enough to get engaged and pissing me off. <laughs> and so... But I just had that, and so I took that little bit and said, I'll use that to make this money. Mm-hmm. And radio, I still do radio ads. I still do, you know, I still got stations that I do uh, piecemeal work for here and there just because mm-hmm. I want to. I feel like um, I've dominated this whole podcast with bullshit. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It's going to be wonderful. It's, it's going to be good. wonderful. I'll come back another time, and we'll answer the questions. No, no, no. It's just, this is going to be good. There's a couple things that I want to I want to talk to you about yeah. with – um, with the voiceover work, sure. um, from from coming from theater to mm-hmm. radio to you know selling cars to voiceover and all of the things that you're doing right now, um, one, what have been some of the highlights that you feel you have worked on? Not just because of who it was or what it was for, but because of the experience and what made it that way. Meaning. I feel like you've had a lot of times in your life where you have experienced mentorship Mm -hmm. and or collaboration, both bad and good. And those have affected you in major ways. Mm -hmm. And so um, what makes a great, what do you feel makes a great project? What do you feel makes a great collaboration? I think communication, the best collaborations are when I sit down with my client or whomever I'm with, and we have an open wants and needs analysis consultation. I stand by it. I just believe in it. Uh, when I would go to a, a radio station, either as a program director or consulting them, I had a localization exercise that I would I would make every employee, even the receptionist, mm. even the part-timers, I want you to fill this out. Because when I come into the market, I want to know how to write for your market. I want to know what your big hospitals, your big schools are. I want to know your big businesses and where are the factories that people work? What are your major employers? What's What are the benchmark businesses where everybody talks about, oh, it's by the target. You know what I mean? Those are the things that I want to know when I go into a radio station so I can walk in day one and be a native. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, I know what the good part of town is. You know, I know the difference between Halls and Farragut <laughs> and South Doyle, you know? And, um, and so when I approach a client, I take that into the same note. I want to know about their brand. I want to know what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't know anything about the project, which is voice work, that's a lot of it. I, I get random things from, I did, I did something a while, and the only reason I knew it was, uh, it, it was uh, uh, a Whirlpool was because I had a drop-in. So I did this whole thing for Whirlpool, 
And then and then they waited until the very end and, and threw me a drop in to pop in at the very end. That's the only reason I knew it was Whirlpool. Um, and a lot of voice people I know are are specialized in this, 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 audiobooks only. And, and, and I try, you know, I've always prided myself on versatility. I programmed country stations. I also programmed rock stations. Mm-hmm. I also was on the air in, in all sorts of pop and rock and all things. And, you know, just versatile. And a lot of my projects are internal explainer videos, training videos, right. a lot of stuff like that that nobody will ever hear or see. Uh, hmm. Big name clients, but you know nobody's nobody cares. You know, I voiced Microsoft. Really? Yeah, not the startup or anything. Just if you work for Microsoft, I, I teach you how to coach your employees. <laughs> you know, um, I worked for Apple. Really? Yeah, with just a phone thing, just you know, <laughs> to make a payment, press two. You know that kind of thing. But uh, and I've done some, I've done some animation and, and stuff like that. You talk about that moment. The, what you you want to know what I'm really proud of is a few years ago when I decided I would start my own business. I also decided I was going to go back to school and get my master's degree in teaching, hmm. and I went to Carson Newman. Uh, I will master's degree. Yeah, master's degree was something I always wanted to get, and I was too brain fried after college to continue. And I've always wanted to be a teacher. And so I am now licensed to teach public speaking, government, and English uh, high school. But that was something I wanted to accomplish. Just, you know, whether I got a job or not, I don't have time for a full-time teaching job. Now, if Knox County Schools wants to hire a public speaking teacher part-time, I might have the time and flexibility. <laughs> but um, I don't think they need to teach, get me teaching government in the South, that's for sure. But the, um, I've read the Constitution, my friends. Um, and James Madison, let me say anyway. But so the um, but a few years ago, I made the decision that if I was going to get into voice acting, I was going to get serious about it. And I wanted to just I said, you know what? I've always wanted to have a talent agent. Hmm. And I don't you know just my agent. And uh, and so I reached out to some talent agencies in town, and I I put my stuff out there for them. And um, you know, one uh, L and, and Charlotte at Talent Trek gave me a gave me a shot. My girls. Yeah. My girls. And, third grade oh man let me tell you something i didn't expect to get a call back i was just looking for voice work yeah right and then uh we, you know they had me meet with them i met with another agency and it was kind of like a casting call they made me walk down a, a runway and i knew that wasn't for me i'm like i'm just a voice actor here i'm not wanting to model shit yeah and so um <laughs> i went and talent trek and i was sitting in, i was sitting i remember sitting in the room and i was like with a bunch of other people and i was like I remember I was just saying to myself, please, God, please, Zeus, Larry, whomever, please don't let this be another one. Because at that point, I was, I was in the beginning of this dream I had of, of getting back into acting. And, uh, and it was nothing like what I was afraid of. They called me back. We had a private meeting and talked. And I remember they, uh, they said, well, what, are you, what are your goals? I said, well, I'd... I just wanted to see if I could get, you know, some, some voice work. That's really, I love voice work at home studio and all the stuff. And uh, they said, well, do you, are you interested in on-camera work? And I laughed in her face. And I said, good luck if you think you can. <laughs> and she did. And I did. And so um, collaborating with those ladies in, in, you know, as little as we, like, when you have to talk to your agent, it's not usually either really, really good or really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, I've had the really, really good ones. Uh, maybe not have to podcast, but we've <laughs> they they've been really really great. And um, if you would have a- if you would have asked me ten years ago, would would my face be on Homicide Hunter or I mean it's you know the, the snapped and and, and some yeah. of these shows? Uh, I would have I would have said you're nuts to think that I would be on a on a on a national global cable television yeah. show. For whatever it is, I I did. Uh, if anybody visits uh, visits your website, you do have a pretty thorough list of mm-hmm. specialties talents. One of your talents is playing dead. It's, it's hard. It's listed. I just got killed last Thursday, guys. <laughs> oh God, spoilers! No, um, I I for, it was the first dead scene that I have done on camera. I've been dead on on stage, but and I've killed on stage and I've died on stage. But the uh, but I had to play dead, and it's hard because I put on weight since last time I had to play dead. And in, it, you, if you don't understand the difference between trying to take, I, I wish there was a visual, but you know, you can take a deep breath and hold it mm-hmm. and, then, and then breathe differently. So you, so you they don't see it. But when you're, when, when you've ate Cocoa Pebbles the night before, <laughs> it's difficult to, uh, 
hide those. And and another thing is that when you're laying down playing dead, usually if you're laying on your back, yeah, something people don't understand is drainage. There's a whole thing to it. Like I, I mean, it, it's people huh. uh, people don't even think about. But if you got to play dead, it's drainage. So if you're gonna play dead and you got to be on your back, sit somewhere, throw your head back, and get that drainage. Because otherwise, you're gonna be on camera, kind of. <laughs> Your throat's gonna be all jiggly, you know. It's it's, yeah, yeah. Playing dead, it's not. It was as playing dead and playing drunk, drunk right? Inebriated, yeah, yeah. Which I'm, yeah. <laughs> I gotta play that every Thursday night. See the podcast. <laughs> and we should get into those voices. On Let's, the, do Let's do it. Yes, I want to hear. So, what uh, you list a significant amount of voices. Uh, what is one of your favorite ones? What is it? What is a favorite voice? Well. I- I like my own voices, okay, but nobody gives a crap because nobody's heard or seen them. So, um, so the voices in my head for my cats and stuff there—that's nothing. Um, my my wife gets mad when I go into a character or something for long term, and for many 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 weeks I was Cleveland Brown, and she would get so mad. And she was—it so, was just—and then all the times I walk around and I'm Scottish, and it just don't matter. And she walks around like, hey, stop talking like that. And I'll be like, look at you. You like it, don't you? Hey. You know, and she's, it's, it, she, she hates it. And one day she comes, this is a true story. I was doing a, a video game. I love doing video games. I was playing a Russian. And the guy across the street was mowing the yard. Well, my studio, oh boy, I've got it. I mean, I mean I'm 70 de- de- negative decibels below. You know, that's my hmm. floor. I love my studio. Except when a motorcycle, diesel truck, a Mustang, or a mower comes by, and that's just a rumble, and you can't get away from it. Especially since I'm on the street-facing wall. Um, so I've got 40 minutes to get this thing in for this this Russian video game. And so I have to go in, and I'm starting the recording, getting my computer booted up, and all of a sudden I hear it. And I jump out. And I'm panicking because this is a big video game. You know, I wanted to, I mean, it's a video game. I finally waited for this. So I bust out the door. I'm looking around. It's a guy across the street. I like him. My daughter hit his mailbox. We got a good relationship. So uh, so I run across the street, you know, like an idiot. And I'm like, hey, pal, because who knows names? I said, um, any chance you're going to take five, maybe take a drinky break anytime soon? And, <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't know. I was thinking you probably here in a minute. I was like, good, because I got to be a Russian for just a minute. <laughs> And in hindsight, okay, in 2020, in hindsight, three years ago, that probably meant something different to him. But I really... Uh, you I guess you were one of those Russian bots on Twitter. Yeah, I don't like her either. <laughs> I don't like her either. Damn pizza place. Yeah. So I, I ran to, uh, I ran inside. I was, and my wife woke up. She works third shift right now as a, as a nurse. So uh, all she knows is she wakes up and she hears me like in the, Come, we will have victory. We create Dimitri, you know, and I'm just sitting there shouting all kinds of stuff. It's fun. I like. It. It's amazing. What about nerd voices, like movie voices, Star Wars? Well, when I first started, when mm-hmm. I, when I first started uh, um, the whole voice thing, it was around the time of uh, you know GI Joe and Transformers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had the opportunity uh, a stop motion. Fan licensed fan thing Ugh, awesome. for Transformers Flashpoint or something. It's on YouTube, but it's a whole series. And I had the opportunity because I came across the casting and it paid. So okay, cool. Uh, if and I got to play Davos Prime, who is a new leader of the Autobots, and and it's I mean it's pretty. It's what campy, does it sound like? Well, I, I try. I mean, it's was not it like Optimus's voice. Yeah, I, I was trying. I was trying to get a little Peter Cullen, but not as but not as rich. So Davos Prime was just a little deeper like Peter Cullen, but a little bit different personality. Lifeline. Lifeline. We can't do that. You know? It was it, but it, it was that kind of but watching it, it's it, it's really fun. Um I've d i have I did a uh, animated pilot that I've been waiting to see anywhere, and I guess it just didn't go anywhere, but it was for a, a pilot called High Office. Uh, it was kind of a political thing. But I got to do four voices in that, which huh. was really fun. Anytime I can do multiple voices in a project, it's a challenge because I've got a certain tone to my voice that's different unless I go really out there. So I can get low like Destro, right? Or I can get high like Cobra Commander. So it's either way, right? And, uh, and, and it's, it, just, it, it just varies, you know, all of them. Uh, one of my favorite voices is, is Elmo. Uh, kids either love Elmo or are scared of it. 
But I, I used to, um, I remember when I was in the day room of the institution, I used to lighten the mood a little bit. I'm kidding. With <laughs> this, just got, we mm, went dark yeah, again. Just, <laughs> mostly true, but I was. I remember. I, I just always like to try to, uh, you know, use kids' voices to say just the weirdest things, you know. And, and Elmo comes on, and Elmo can say just about anything he wants because Elmo's got a red fuzzy ass. <laughs> And That's so, amazing. yeah, and and when all that shit went down with Kevin Clash, Kevin Clash, yeah, right. So it's like Kermit, and you know, I think about all these voices that I've done all my life. Like I was, I was singing a song to my wife, uh, in, and it wasn't at all Kermit, but she thought I was singing it in as Kermit. Uh, but in fact, it was. Uh, I realized it was the voice I was using, but I was doing Dion Warwick's. Um, That's what friends are for. As she was walking out the door to work, and she kissed me and thought I was. That's what friends are for. <laughs> yeah, she didn't like it. In good times and bad times, I'll be on your side forevermore. But I do not call her Biggie. <laughs> no, no. That's a whole no, no, no. bucket of trouble. You can't, and you no, can't, no. you know, that when you're doing Kermit, it's like whoever you're talking to, ah, oh, that's right, Piggy. Oh, shit. You know? <laughs> what about, I bet you I'm do... sorry, officer. No, no, I was just been trying to be funny. Don't write me the ticket, damn it. <laughs> I bet you can do Frank Oz, Yoda. Um, Yoda, yeah, uh, Yoda's easy. You know, Yoda's, um, <clears throat> Yoda, to get Yoda, it's just back of your throat. Hmm. It makes me raw, though, but I could do, I could do probably a little better, a little more practice. And some of them, like, if I've got something I've got to get really close to, mm-hmm. I just, I just have to get immersed just, in it. You just gotta, yeah, you gotta practice hmm. and just yeah, become that character. The thing that acting it ta- has taught me, um, and it goes back to all the acting coaches I've had is that when you're struggling with something, with a line, and it goes to voiceover too. If you guys handed me a script and said, hey, we need this, uh, but we, we, we don't want an um, announcery. We want it emotional. Right. We need something that's going to strike a real chord, blah, 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 blah. Well, then, then that's when I'm probably going to go in and I'm going to start talking about those days when I didn't have my kid. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to get in that place. Mm-hmm. And when I'm struggling with a line or, or, or a script then I'm just going to read it. Welcome to our company. There's one thing you don't do here, and that's harass other employees. And I just read the script like another voice (laughs) altogether. Um, I take something really good. Um, There was something for a a major university, but it was one of those like inspirational, motivational things. And I just turned it on its head, and I did. did, The whole thing is Cobra Commander. (laughs) I did the whole thing. And, And it was... It, it's different, you know. We lead to inspire, you know, and it's like, oh, well, okay. Oh, that's like a Nazi youth there. But, you know, if you read the comics, you understand it really was. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I love doing voices. I love doing uh, characters. I like doing other people's characters, but I, I like forming Making my own. own. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of 2020. I've, I've talked to uh, my agency and everything. I'm wanting to get one of the goals that you talk about moving forward. I want to get, I want to get to Atlanta. Cartoon Network, Boomerang, they're all down okay. there. You know, I want to get, uh, you know, make a make a real mark. I love doing the work I do. I love getting paid to go into my studio and read scripts and, and you know, send stuff and mailbox money coming in from TV shows or commercials, <laughs> man. Let <laughs> me tell you. I, I mean, I worked in radio for, for years listening to see songwriters talk about mailbox money and how, you know, they just live because they wrote a song that was a number one hit 14, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and they just sit and couple hundred bucks here and there and it just all adds up and and you know and of course i'm not there but you know the fact that that i can do what i do and and make money and i don't have to feel like those guys feel as men and women out there in radio today feel that what do i do now mm-hmm. repivot yep. reinvent redefine figure out who you are the um, the long story of it is is everything is culminated into this gig economy freelance mentality of what do I have to offer and how can I make money doing it? Mm-hmm. If you guys aren't going to hire me, if those guys aren't going to hire me, somebody's got to hire me. With everything that I've got going on, some company out there needs my services. And it took me a while to realize that my services may not be definable on indeed right mm-hmm. how do you how do you define an x factor that 
You know? I actually think that is, and we've got to we've yeah. got to wrap wrap things up here. But I actually think that's a great conversation to have in 2020 in the gig economy, where even in the last 20 years, we've seen jobs, quote unquote, go from you know the gold watch and the pension, yeah, that, you know, at the end to two to three to five years at a time or less. We need to have this conversation or or something and. Letting folks know, I think that you know, you go to college, you study something, um, and and letting folks know that it's okay to question that. Again, bringing mm-hmm. that value to that conversation of, is this not just what I'm quote quote unquote passionate about, but is this something that I feel um, I feel good about? Yeah. Is this something that leads me to something else? Is it something that allows me to work with great people? Mm-hmm. Um, and all those, it, 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 and all those things. So my life is not about success in, if nothing, I mean, that's not, my life is about, is about, um, very regular and, and sometimes deliberate failures. And, and those will not always mine, but those, um, have led me mm-hmm. to success. Um, and I, and I say that to say that get out of the mindset just because your grandmother said that that was the way that people should do things. She only says that cause her grandmother said that. Yeah. And then that's where okay. Boomer came from. Well, yeah, it's, it, it really is. It really it is. From. And from I don't the- like it cause it's generational. And listen, I know a lot of, of, of aged, uh, very open-minded, wonderful people who, who shaped and formed this country with their, their generosity and kept us from becoming what we very well could have over the last 70 years, if you look at our history. But it's that, it's that mentality of stepping back and saying, I, I am worth more than your paycheck and incentives. And mm-hmm. if, if you don't feel that way, I at least have to, yep. you know? Uh, to be clear, y'all never offered me a job. It was not a thing. I'm just saying you in general. I don't want to give anybody any. But, well, it, you know. Establishing your own value mm-hmm. internally. Yeah. Um, because I, I do think one of those things that beats you to death to any. Again, we kind of back to that creative. I always want to talk about people that are making mm-hmm. things is when you allow your value to be defined by others. Yes. And that's beyond monetary value. Yeah. It's just like who you are as a person. Because we as creatives struggle that we do define ourselves by the work that we do or that we're allowed to create sometimes validation, you know, and you crave that validation. Um, especially if you grow up like in a small town and you want that, like, Hey, I'm, I'm here too. Yeah. I'm here too. And I have a voice. Um, so I just, I think Josh, man, we have covered a lot. Um, there's been a lot. It has been a lot. Do you want to, um, do you want to leave the folks out there with any, uh, with any parting words? Sure. Um, my, my brand moving forward, you know, is, is about, it gotta be about inspiration. And I struggle with that through being frustrated intellectually a lot with, with folks, but you you gotta, you gotta inspire people and you gotta be positive. And I know I've talked a lot about it because it's kind of, it's, it's in the forefront, but what you talked about before, there aren't jobs. There just aren't the jobs out there. There are thousands of people displaced today, creatives, sales professionals, media professionals, who will not have a job waiting for them. And it's not that, it's just they're just not there. And so what are those people going to do? There's not room for you to hire them all. You know, agencies like, y'all, you can't hire them all. And what are you going to do with these these 50-year-old programmers who have been there for, you know what I mean? It's like, I know because I was one of them not 50, but still, what are you going to do with these people? Where are they going to go? You know? And, and I know that myself and a lot of other people, my friend Ripley Johnson, Paul Orr, a lot of people that I know in, that have been radio people for years, we've transitioned. And if, if people are out there wondering, well, what, how can I make money? How can I do it? Call me and don't call me, text me, Uh, but reach out to me on my website, joshbrandonmedia.com. I will call you. Just text me first. But we uh, but, don't be a monster, right? <laughs> it's twenty twenty, George. Don't double dip. So, yeah. But we've got to, you know, it, we got to talk about the hard things, and the hard things are that the old success paradigm that we were told and sold for years isn't true. Mm-hmm. It's a separate podcast, but it isn't true. 
Um, and and if you're going to go out about your life, if you're young and you're thinking you're going to make it in the world the old way, it, it, you're going to be shocked and awed in the worst ways. And uh, I think that um, trade schools are good. Uh, I wish I would have gone to one. Um, with apps like Duolingo, with um, uh, YouTube, there is zero excuse for anyone out there not to master a craft of some sort. Mm-hmm. Boom. Nothing is off limits. All you have to do is step outside of your own box. I acted for years. I did stand up a little bit, but I was never any of those things. Yep. And so 2020, I'll be back doing stand up, good or bad. 2020, I, I'm hoping I'll do bigger and better TV shows. Absolutely. We should collaborate. Um, guys, you know, this is the other thing. I, I, God, no, we got to go. I saw a, a casting call for a, for a web series. Yeah. It's a TV show on the web. Uh-huh. Pays, fuck all. But, you know, I mean, I, you know, I can't afford to go to Atlanta for it. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd eat hundreds of dollars on the trip. But, but, like, with as much as we've got here, with Jupiter and, and, and all the agencies and the talent that we've got here, 2020 may see the, the, the emergence of a, of a web series. Mm-hmm. Why not? Let's do it. I've written other things. I've done other things. Challenge yourself. Why not? If you can't make it everybody else's way, make it your own goddamn way. What a way to end. This has been a great conversation with Josh Brandon. You can learn all about everything that he's got going on over at joshbrandonmedia.com. And um, I encourage everybody out there uh, that is that is looking to make make things and make a name for themselves is to follow Josh's advice, reinvent and redefine. Don't be afraid, like you say, Josh, to step outside of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to also uh, make your voice heard when you think it has value. And admit the difficult things that other people are afraid to admit. That's that's key. Not Not just career-wise, not just creatively, but stress is the number one killer of creativity. When I'm behind on my bills, when I'm worried about where, what, what, what's going to get paid, I can't be creative. None of us can. That's why the radio layoffs happen. That's why the, me, the, the media industry struggles. You know, Pay the entertainers the way that, that you want them to be regarded, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank well, you yeah. for having me. Absolutely. Y'all, this has been Best Behavior Creative Club, an original design sensory production. Um, I am Chris McAdoo. I'm Brad Carpenter. And I'm Josh Brandon. There we go. (laughs) Buddy, it's been awesome to have you on. Now, I'm going to encourage every single person out there, if you've listened to this, thank you so much. Um, If you don't mind, uh, head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a review um, and share with your friends. And above all, I want you guys to get in the studio I want you guys to get in your writing room. I want you guys to, to put your heads down and work and make something great. <laughs> <laughs>